with all your truth or kindness lord with all your truth or kindness lord welcome to the notice where together we notice the mercy of god i'm susan hookstra your host have you faced some transitions in your life which left you feeling hopeless Perhaps you are carrying a burden and just need a safe place to talk about it. Where can you go for help? If that's you and you are considering spiritual counseling or know someone who may need that kind of encouragement, you want to join us for part two of a conversation I have with Bob Wessels, pastor of care at Trinity Church. We continue our discussion on how God equipped Bob to be a counselor, the importance of community, and how God can use counseling to help us reach a more intimate relationship with Him. So, Bob, I have to just say this before I go for any further, because I've been wanting to say this the entire podcast, but just the timing hasn't been right. So we talked, of course, in part one, we talked a little bit about how you decided to become a police officer, and then we talked about your brother dying, and then also how your faith was changed through all that and then of course the the big day when your former wife came in and said I'm done and she wanted to leave and how that impacted you so we're going to pick up where we where we left off a little bit but you know we talk about God noticing and I just want just to say this before we go any further what about Bob (laughs) just had to say it I'm sailing yes I'm sailing that's a that's a great movie I love that I love it baby yes yes absolutely let's talk a little bit further now how did you end up being a pastor of care at Trinity Church from being a police officer how did that transition happen again that's that's just totally by the hand of you know, one of the things I discovered throughout my career is I have a God has given me an ability to, to put people at ease and to help them feel comfortable. And another thing He's blessed me with is, is is empathy, and then also an ability to get to the root of issues. Mm-hmm. And so, I was one of the few. Uh, who didn't mind going at all I didn't mind going to domestics and I remember one of the first domestics I went to where this couple was just screaming at each other and there wasn't the the vitriol and the hatred that I'd seen in, in many domestics but they were just they weren't understanding each other and so I just I called off backup because it's like I realized uh, they're not going to fight and, and I'm okay. And I looked at him and I said, do you, have a, do you have an egg timer? And they said, yeah. And I said, give me the egg timer. And I, we, I made them sit down at the kitchen table. and They set the egg timer for two minutes or three minutes. And I said, okay, you. And I pointed to the woman. I said, you have three minutes to say your side. And you need to be quiet. And so I sat there, and he kept trying to interrupt. <laughs> I say, no, no, it's her time, her time, because <laughs> they just didn't even offer each other the respect of listening. And before he was allowed to turn the timer for him, and you know the timer is an old-fashioned timer, dinged, and before he, he had to tell her what he heard. And so he mm-hmm. said some things, and you could just see the look on her face, like, hey, I think he heard me. 
And then he went on, and I said, all right, if I have to come back, I'm taking somebody to jail, but you now have this egg timer, and you just set it for two or three minutes, and you don't interrupt. And we were never called back, <laughs> you know. And, of course, that's a very common uh, te counseling technique. <laughs> Now, did you know that at the time? No, no, no. <laughs> or I was mean, that just something your instinct in, it, and in your gifting told you? Yeah. Well, a little bit. I've been to some schools. Um, I'm not a hostage negotiator, but I've been to some of the classes. And so part of that's reflective listening. Uh, I've been to some command schools, and again, reflective listening, learning how to listen and reflect it back so that they feel heard and so you understand the issue. So it kind of all worked together. But... Yeah, going through, um, going through the you know my police career, police career, I just discovered that that people would want to talk to me, and I listened and tried to give godly counsel. And some guys I would pray with or whatever, but I was maybe 10, 11 years from retirement, and God woke me up out of a sound sleep. And I remember going out to the living room and I just knelt down next to the couch and I was praying and I really felt like God was impressing upon me. I am calling you into a ministry. And with 11, 12 years to go, I remember saying, I remember praying, do you, are you calling me now? I will quit tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And by this time I was married to Patty and we had already had, you know, a child. And I, but I'll lay it all out on the line. There you go. I mean, I'll be out tomorrow if you're calling me tomorrow. And Susan, it was, you know, I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was, it was so crystal clear. No, I'm not calling you now. Complete your time. I'm equipping you now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I retired in 2010. And I had a, a different career path chosen for myself. And, as, and again, in reaching out in a, in a, like a Christ-like way to a young brother to help him out, it totally blew up in my face. And, you know, we used to, you know, for Metro Narcotics, it queered the deal. Okay. Okay. What I was going, where I was going was totally queered. And I couldn't go that way anymore. And I was like, man, what to do? And again, coincidentally, I think not, you know, mm -hmm. Patty comes home from church and says, you know, they're looking uh, for uh, facilities people at church. Now, I say coincidentally because I, mean, I don't believe that, but I had just had a quiet time not two days earlier where I felt God impressing upon me, you need to humble yourself. You think you're a little bit too much, all that in a bag of chips, mm -hmm. you need to humble yourself. And then my wife says to me, hey, they're looking for the janitors at church. And I thought, okay, dude, you can't get much more humble than that. Right, Let's go. Right, right. So I came here. I applied. They're like, seriously? You want to be one of our facility guys? And I'm like, absolutely. God's calling me here. I can tell. I know. Hmm. And so, How long ago was that? Uh, that was in May of 2011. Okay. So, and then shortly thereafter, I became the full-time like lead facility guy and then that led into me working with Cheryl O'Brien and Pastor Royce Allen in the mm -hmm. care ministry and helping out with funerals and that led to a discussion with Pastor Royce about you know Bob 
you might be really good at this. Would you consider, you know, becoming a care pastor? And so then the church helping me go to seminary where I got a master's degree in pastoral counseling. And then when Pastor Royce left, getting hired to, to replace him in the care ministry. And then in the middle of that, Susan, in the middle of going to school and all this stuff, I went through my second kidney failure. <laughs> so I'm studying, writing these long theological papers, and my kidney function's like dropping. It got it got into the single digits, like eight nine wow. percent. Wow. And in 2015, I had the, my second kidney transplant. So you obviously noticed God when you were on the. F- the floor that night, and you heard yeah. his heard mm-hmm. his call. You he you knew that you you knew that was God. Absolutely. You just didn't know how it was gonna manifest itself. Yeah, because in a million years, I never expected myself to be a care pastor. I mean. But you know, doesn't it sort of make sense? Well, now it does. Yeah. But I mean, back then, you know, when Patty and I were gonna get married, we had to, we did premarriage counseling, and they they did personality tests and did some other stuff. And my philosophy back then was, look, you make your bed, you lie in it, you know? I didn't make you do this stuff. You know, how do I solve most of my problems? I take people to jail. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I solve it. And so my compassion level was not that high. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, for God to bring me here and then to be involved with, you know, sitting in, like Pastor Royce would, would have me sit in on the funeral meetings and memorial service meetings so I could set it up right as the as the facilities guy. And then to see the sorrow, feel the sorrow, or the again the joy for those who are believers, you know, they're rejoicing that their loved ones in heaven, but they miss them. So you, it was just like, yeah, this is pretty this is pretty cool. But see I see it a little differently because I see this kind of makes sense to me because when you're a policeman, first of all, you have to know how to read people. Mm-hmm. I remember even the first time I met you, we just talked for a few minutes, and we were talking about lay counseling. And you said, yeah, don't worry about it, you're in. And I was like, how did he know that in such a short amount of time? And then I realized that you, you have, that's part of what you have to do in a crisis situation when you're mm-hmm. a policeman. You have to react, and you have to read people on the spot. You know, you have to understand and get to the heart of what's going on, like you did with those people with the timer, you Mm -hmm. know, like you explained with the timer. And so, you know, that's reading. And then the other part of it that makes sense is a lot of times I think, like I just, my stepfather recently passed, and I remember going to the funeral home. And, you know, it was comforting to have my husband there, who I believe has a gift of shepherding, and he's just a very calming influence, right? Very calming influence. And... People need someone who's not going to react when they're reacting. And you learn that on the job, right? Oh, yeah. And so, do you see that too? I mean, I, I see that, but do you oh. see how all those things have oh. equipped you for yeah. what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. And, and even when they were talking to me about it, one of the things that is not a real popular thing to do, you know, is to go visit people in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And now the people that, I, that talked to me back then are off staff now. And so they were like, do you really want to go into hospitals and visit people? And it's like, well, yeah, I was there a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was for crashes or drunk driving or mm-hmm. just whatever. I, Well, good grief. 
I mean, I've broken my arm, my ankle, my nose. I've been hit three times by cars. I've had two kidney transplants, right. three knee operations, shoulder surgery, parathyroidectomy. I mean, good grief. I've been in the hospital enough. Right. And wow. yet, I don't mind. You know, it's like, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, oh no, now, Susan, I totally can see God's hand in all of that. Mm-hmm. Even in sending me to an interview and interrogation school. And getting a book um, by it's Zelaski, and it's called interrogation techniques or some interview interview and interrogation techniques and learning to put to articulate how I know this person's lying to me. I always had the feeling it's like there's mm-hmm. something not right, but now knowing the physiological changes and again it's not foolproof. But knowing those things is like, oh, and then now, so when I'm watching it, you know, a couple. Yeah, well, I'll be and, sure not to lie. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to figure it out. I'll call you on it. No, I, no, but it's not like I do it all the time. But it sure helps when you're, again, sizing people up and realizing, no, that's good. And again, am I wrong sometimes? Absolutely. But there's also, this is one thing that I appreciate about you, among other things, but is your strong command to obey Mm. and when you think about your background as a police person it's a law it's a little black and white and honestly a lot of things that we struggle with are because we're not obeying absolutely we're not obeying that's to me another another connection with how this is so helpful in counseling well, and you know, I, I, I wish I could remember the name of the speaker, but he was just talking about how like 70% of our brain is wired to negative and to fear. And it's an anthropological thing, you know, so whatever, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. But fear is so huge, and yet God says, don't worry. <laughs> don't be afraid. And we look at that as if it's some sort of self-help book and I have to try to not be afraid. And yet, that's a command. You know, so we have to choose to be obedient to not fear. We have to choose to be obedient to say, I trust that God's in control even though everything around me seems as if it's out of control. So... Yeah, that's a big part. I know um, I'm just getting started with this lay counseling, and God has equipped me in different kinds of ways, maybe a little different story than yours, but that's one thing that I keep coming back to is, are you applying it? This is the word. This is what God says. But are you doing it? Are you obeying it? Are you living it? So tell me a little bit more about your role here. I know you do one-on-one counseling and uh, couples counseling. Um, any interesting stories you want to share with us about that that you can? Well, yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. Every time a person walks through the door, it's a new adventure because nobody's alike. And, you know, I'll tell you stories. The stories that are so cool are the way God transforms people's That's lives. right. And again, it's not because of what we do other than dying to ourselves. You know, I mean, and, and just saying, all right, I, I've been being selfish here or whatever, and, and I'm going to trust that, you know, God's going to fill this need. I mean, I had a young man in my office, and he's, I mean, like young, he's under 21. And 
he hasn't really studied the Word of God at all. And so we started going over a passage. And it's Rome, it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Um, that This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So you'll know God's good and pleasing, perfect will. What was his question coming into my office? He's starting college. He goes, I just want to know God's will for my life. Oh, really? So we read this. What does that mean? I don't know. I actually <laughs> just I actually just finished a book by Mike Donahue. He's the um, lead singer for 10th Avenue North, mm. a Christian band. And it, he talks specifically about, you know, this whole concept of will. And what is God's will? God's will is the things that we're talking about. God's will is that we obey. God's will is that we, we read his word. God's will is that we serve in community. I mean, all these things like that, that's God's will for our life. And I think we get mixed up sometimes in thinking the semantics of I'm supposed to be at this particular job at this particular time in my life or something like that. But as you can see, even from your story, God equipped you along the way. He equipped you to do what you're doing now. He prepared you for this in your heart, in your experiences, and he wraps all that up together for service. And I think he does that with all of us, if we pay oh. attention. Yeah, no, I, I believe he does it for all of us, absolutely. And, and one of the things I see in today's world is we make things so complex. And Jesus died for your sins so that you've got a relationship with God now. You know, he looks at you, God looks at you now clothed in Jesus' righteousness. That's right. And, and so what's, what's our job? It's just to keep growing in that relationship. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said the most, the most important commandment is to love God with everything you've got and then love your neighbors yourself. And I'm going to quote Mike Donahue again in one of his songs. He says, well, I was quoting Jesus. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. But I have to say this one because this one's good. It's, he says, too many leaders, he asks for followers. Mm -hmm. And at that particular time when I heard that line in the song, that changed me because I was thinking, well, God's developed me as a leader. I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to be a leader. You know? And what he was really saying is, you're not a leader until you follow, Susan. You need to follow. Well, I had a very hard conversation. You know, a, a young woman had been asked to step down from leading a small group in the high school ministry, and she was furious. And I went to her and I said, "What are you mad about?" And you know, well, because I know her dad. And he said, "Please talk." And so I went. Anyway, here's the whole crux of the situation. I brought that up. I said, "How are you going to learn to lead unless you can follow?" God hasn't called me to follow. He's called me to lead. And I said, well, I, I beg to differ. I don't think you're listening to the Spirit mm -hmm. of God mm -hmm. in this situation. Because what did Jesus say? I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. To know me is to know the Father. Mm -hmm. And then what's he say a little further in the book of John? You know what? You're my friends. As long as you do what I, what I say, as long as you obey. Mm -hmm. Anyways. No, I, I think what's interesting too is you're talking about submission, submitting to the authority of God. And we struggle with that. I'm sure you saw that when you were a policeman. Oh. And you saw people who just didn't want to obey the law. Nope, uh -uh, I'm above it. I'm above it. And we actually do that 
in our own way, we might not break the law or we might, you know, we might speed a little or something, but you know, those stories, but you know, we, we still, we still try to find um, what I call end runs or different ways around it so that when it's just clear in front of us that God just says, obey. Well, and again, there's no ignorance of the law is not a defense. If I stop you from doing something that is clearly illegal, and you you say I didn't know that was illegal, that's too bad. I take you to you know you still pay the price. Today, Susan, we're living in a time when biblical illiteracy is just rampant. People don't understand what even Scripture says. One of the things I counsel or do is I deal with pre-marriage counseling. And I'm going to say seven to eight out of ten pre-married couples I, I speak to are don't understand God's prohibition on having sex before marriage. Mm -hmm. They don't understand that, no, you, you do need to be married to, to live together, you know, to have that that vow and that covenant that you make, and then you consummate the relationship. And they don't understand that. And it's because they're not they're not up on what the, the what Bible says. Mm -hmm. And or maybe they just don't want you. Well there's some no, <laughs> there's, there's some of that. <laughs> there's but I'll tell you what, there are so many who just go, I had no idea. Now there are some, you're exactly right, who they know. They've been raised in a Christian home, but they but they work around it and they go, but God wants me to fulfill my love for my girlfriend by showing her the ultimate expression of my love, which they're saying is, is, is being with them intimately. Well, when really the ultimate expression is to have self-control mm -hmm. so that your spouse-to-be can develop trust in you. That's right. You know, and not be wondering, well, if he couldn't control himself with me, what's he doing now? That's right. And there's so many different verses in the Bible, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit with you was this, I call them the one another's. In the scripture, it talks about admonishing one another, bearing one another's burdens, mm -hmm. um, build up one another, care for one another, comfort one another, confess faults to one another, encourage one another, and spur one another on. All those things are commands. For us to do yeah and the church is the place that we we need to go to get some of those things done so tell me a little bit about what happens this concept of being there for one another and well, how does counseling connect with that and, and again I, I bet you you could you could teach a class on this because we've talked about this in counseling training one of the things for your listeners one of the things we talked about in counseling um, to train people up is to see like get a barometer, you know, a feel for where they are. Are they living in community? Are they using, I mean, we're all given a gift, at least one, with which to edify the body, to build the body up. You know, are we reading our Bible? Are we spending time in prayer? And do we have an attitude of worship, which again, isn't, a, you know, worship is a vehicle to worship, is singing and music and things like that. But what is our posture of our heart? Are we face down before God going, I don't have this. I need you for this. So going back to community, everything you just said, that's all about being in community. 
that's trusting, like I trusted my pastor. He was my pastor. That's right. Back then in 1988, to call him up and to say, she's walking out the door, what do I do? You know, I mean, so I was leaning on him and vice versa, you know, and and so all of those things you're well, saying. And it reminds me of that verse, Second Corinthians, um, in Second Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4, that talks about comforting others with the same comfort we yep. ourselves have been received by God. And I know that we're called to do that. And in counseling, sometimes... Of course, you can get that community through the big worship service. You can get that community through a small group or serving with other people in community. You, you get community by serving. But there's also times when you need somebody to really come alongside you one-on-one. -on -one. And that one-on-one -on -one discipleship, if you will, counseling, if you will, however you want to define it, is, is important. What would you say to anybody listening out there who thinks, I actually need that? What would trigger them to come in? You know, what we uh, what would trigger them to come in? Well, first of all, you you have to realize that what you're doing. I mean, what's the definition? You know, of you know, futile or insanity is doing the same thing over and over, mm -hmm. and expecting a different result. Right. I mean, there are couples out there that have been fighting the same fight for five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. And they, because of their uh, fear of being exposed or they want to keep things private, they don't want to come in and say, yeah, we just, we don't know. You know, we don't know what we're doing because we keep having the same fight over and over again. And what's really fun, I had a couple come in after 35 years of marriage. He was starting to live downstairs. She was living upstairs. Their lives were totally separate. And this, in a few sessions, we've discovered this started way back when they first got married. Hmm. Disrespect, distrust, mistrust, things like that. And we had to get to a point of saying, okay, if we're going to let some of these things go, then we really have to let them go. Meaning, I'm going to turn this over to God and say, you know what? I know I might deserve justice for these wrongs. I was wrong. And, but I can't, I can't hit everything over 35 years. Right. So let's talk about some of the core issues. And good grief, in a, such a short time, they were back to being, they started to go to the movies together. They started <laughs> sleeping in the same bed. They start, she came in and, and, you know, I hope your listeners are older, but she just said, that thing where we haven't done in about two or three years, that's not an issue anymore. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's just, they just, we're, you know, we're here to walk with people. In the care ministry, our goal is to walk with you for a season. We don't want you getting reliant on us. We want to help equip you so you can walk on your own. Because what do we want you doing? We want you doing what Jesus said. Get out there, spread the gospel, make disciples. Right, and... Pass it on. Absolutely. Whatever, anything they learn, they can pass it on. But, right. you know, you mentioned one thing that I want to pick up on, and that is this concept of being open and recognizing you need help. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that story about the gentleman who went to the pool in the scriptures in John where he went to the pool, and then Jesus went, do you want to be healed? And I think 
oftentimes we want somebody to in becoming a counselor we want somebody to just give us a quick fix mm -hmm. but the reality is is part of part of the journey has to be for them to be open to what God has for them so tell me a little bit about some success stories you've seen with people you talked about the one with the marriage who was just open to cur not correction oh, but open to what God had for them I can't you know there are so many success stories I mean I've there's been couples who have suffered adulterous affairs, either on his side or her side. Mm -hmm. There's been emotional affairs, things like that, or just can't stand each other. And yet, once we start to delve into it, and, and again, we tell them from the get-go, look, we don't have the answers. The answer is Jesus. I mean... If Absolutely. you want your marriage to be successful, take your eyes off your spouse, take your eyes off of yourself, and start focusing on Jesus. I mean, when God says the greatest commandment is to love him with everything you've got, you start focusing on your relationship with Jesus. You start focusing on loving him. When that really hit me was back in, I was probably 31, 32 years old. And I realized, looking at my childhood and the home I was raised and all these things, I mean, I could have used those as excuses, but the fact remained, I didn't know how to love. And so I simply prayed, God, would you show me how to fall in love with you? And you know what happened? The more I started to pursue him, my quiet times, to use the Christianese vernacular, my times reading the Bible started to just become alive. and Because you wanted to. Well, because it, all of a sudden, this, this, I, couldn't, I couldn't sate it. You know, I mean, there's a sati I couldn't be satiated. I had to keep diving in. And then there was one time where, like, for a three-month period, I could not get out of 1 Peter 1. I kept just, and I'd get up to have my quiet time, and these are early. I was going to work at 5 a.m., so it'd be about 4 a.m. in the morning, I'd have a cup of coffee. There and, are people out there like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like three or four months, and all of a sudden I realized I knew the whole thing by heart. And it's like just because I kept writing it over and over again, and I, and I would pray, well, God, can I go to chapter 2? <laughs> you know, it's like, nope, not yet, you know? And so, yeah, the, the success stories, and... And I need to really respect the confidentiality because, you know, you don't want people to be able to try to put pieces together. So mm -hmm. I'm being very vague here. Right. But the success stories come as the people turn their focus to Jesus and they dive into the word and they start to, they start to just be one of his disciples and follow him. Right. And I remember Pastor Marvin did a series called Get Dusty. You know, and it's like the dust that's, that's kicking up off of Jesus' feet. It gets on them. Right. And then, as the, no, then we teach, you know, practical things. Like, when's the last time you said to your spouse, I caught you doing good? What you said there, it really made me feel respected. Or it made me feel loved. Or you really were in my corner, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, uh, you know, we might have done it to our kids, the whole caught being good kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um but well, that's affirmation, another need that we have. Absolutely. That we talk about. We need someone to notice that we've done, that when we've done something mm -hmm. that is good or honorable or whatever. We need not from a, from a feed me standpoint. I want to make that clear to all the listeners. And I'm not talking about 
self-promotion or anything like that. I'm talking more in the sense of encouragement. We need that encouragement from other people. Well, and we need it especially from our spouses. Susan, how does your spouse know what it, what, what, what does feed you in the sense that this shows you that he loves you and that he's in your corner. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't know the, well, I'm going to say sometimes, a lot of the times we don't know intuitively how to show our love that it's accepted and, and read that way. Right. I mean, I, I, can, I can say to Patty, yeah, well, of course I love you. I mow the lawn, I work, I, I mean, I do all these things. Acts of service. This yeah. should show you that I love you. Well, what if what really shows her I love her is, in her mind, is when we have a potluck here or something. You know, there's always food at church. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I gained so much weight when I came over here. But if I, if there's a pie or something, or if there's cookies, then I know, hey, she likes those. If I get her a little something like that, what if that's how she, and I bring that home, and mm -hmm. I say, hey, they had cookies, and I thought of you. And that's maybe what feeds her that, oh, you thought of me during your day. Right. And that's not mowing the lawn. Well, she appreciates the lawn. Sure. But then if she says to me, you know what? When you did that, that made me feel really loved and made me, uh, didn't make me feel, but I, you know, again, we say that makes me feel, but it made me feel close to you. It made me feel connected. And I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that a little thing. And like so guess that. what? You're, you're going to do that again, aren't you? Right. Yeah. Because you know, it pleases well, her and you want to, you want to make her happy. I mean, yeah. so yeah. So I, I mean, there's so many things ways that we can encourage one another and like we talked about these one another's admonish one another bear each other's burdens and yeah, all these yeah. things and you know that's part of being connected in community and but when if you are experienced if you are a listener out there and you you're not connected to community first of all i just want to encourage you to get connected in community absolutely, absolutely get connected in community because one of the best things you'll figure out is that you're not alone that other people may be experiencing similar things to you or can at least come alongside you and, and say that was tough and validate your experience. You know, absolutely, Susan, because, you know, there Satan is real. You know, there is evil out there. I mean, you look at the start of the downfall of man. I mean, Satan came to Adam and Eve and twisted the words of God, lied, and then sin was ushered in. And one of the things Satan, I, I believe he revels in this, is to make us think or help us to think that we're alone. Mm -hmm. And that... We can fix it alone. Well, or, or there's, there's shame in saying what it is. You know, you may be holding on to a secret that you think is the worst thing that's ever happened. And yet, that's one of the things I, I, you want to know one of the best ways I've been prepared for being a counselor by being a police officer? I have heard and seen a lot. You've seen it all, I'm sure. I mean, a lot. And there's stuff, yeah, stuff I wish I could forget. So, when they finally get to a point and some people start to like share this, this huge burden, and they finally say it, and sometimes they hear themselves say it, and they go, well, that really didn't sound as bad as I thought it would, <laughs> you know? But they've been carrying it around right. in the weight, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, you know what? There's freedom in Christ, you know? 
God releases you from all those things. I mean, your sins. I mean, again, we aren't guilty now. Romans says there's no condemnation. That's right. Romans so nothing, 8, 1. Yeah, nobody condemns you. God doesn't anyway. And so when Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross, that like penalty is totally washed away. Totally, that's the mercy of God. Yeah. We don't have to, he's, we don't have to view ourselves that way. But when we need the, the time to say these things out loud, we need to have a safe place to say them. So if you're somebody out there who's not involved in community, obviously get involved in community. But if you're somebody who has something like that and you don't feel comfortable sharing that in a small group setting or, or something like that, but you really want to let this go, this is where spiritual counseling can be hugely Absolutely. beneficial to you and give you the opportunity to be heard and validated and also give you some of these tools that will help you heal. Well, and, and you know, where does any believer start? You just start praying to God. You ask your Heavenly Father, help me out. Help me to find somebody I can trust to talk to. I know a young woman who actually went to her pastor and she said, my marriage is falling apart and, and she, she shared some very personal things with him. And he went and told several of the deacons. Mm -hmm. And then he told somebody he was a gossip. She didn't know her pastor was a gossip. And the pressure on her and the shame that ensued mm -hmm. was horrible. And, and I don't tell that story to say, okay, yeah, keep, it, keep your mouth shut because it could come back to bite you. But to say, be judicious. You know, pray that God would lead somebody into your life or that... I mean, come to Trinity Church and, and call the care ministry. That's right. You know, I mean, you we can tell go you right online up. and see it. It's yep. at the very bottom. If you just look under yeah. care ministry, um, you can connect with with the ministry here and also, be, you know, be assigned to a counselor who can yeah. help walk you through and provide that confidentiality that you're talking mm -hmm. about. Because when it's all said and done, Second Corinthians three four, comforting others with the same comfort we've been given from God. God gives us so many tools in his word to comfort one another so i want to thank you bob so much for sharing your story with us and the ways god has not only noticed you but the way counseling has helped others take notice of god i really appreciate your ministry and continue to pray for all those god sends your way if you are that person who needs a safe place to receive spiritual counseling you can contact Trinity Church by calling 517-492-1897. That's 517-492-1897. You can also fill out an online form through our website at wearetrinity.com. Go to the menu and click on Care and Support for more information. You can also go to my website at Susan K. Hoekstra. Next time on The Notice, have you recently been rejected? Maybe you've lost a job or had a relationship end or tried for something and just didn't get it. Join us on the next episode of The Notice, where we talk about ways we can take notice of God during rejection. Until next time, take notice.